On today's episode of Her Wild Outdoors, Sarah Gamash joins me for a conversation about a couple of different things, including how she started hunting, of course, but how the passion became her own versus just her dad's and her family's. Uh, We talk a little bit about balance uh, between being a parent, being a a business owner, but then we touch a little bit on some major lessons that she has learned along the way with hunting with other people, and um, I hope you enjoy this. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us for another Her Wild Outdoors podcast episode. Sarah Gamash is with me today, and we are going to uh, hear a little bit from her on um, who she is, how the outdoors has impacted her life, and a couple of great stories, um, but also how we as women balance life uh, in the outdoors and and in just regular life as well and how sometimes that goes hand in hand. So Sarah, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Of course. I appreciate it. We've been talking (laughs) about this for how long now? (laughs) A while. Yeah. I mean, well, we met in person um, almost two years ago now. At ATA. And then have kind of been, yeah, talking ever since. I know it. I've been super excited and and I'm kind of glad that we're going to get – Going on this, the it's going to be the second season of Her Wild Outdoors, and I'm kind of excited to see where it goes because I want to continue interviewing women, right? I want to continue getting stories out because each of us have a little bit of a difference in how we do things, and I think it's important to hear that. But, um, but I don't know. I think that there's also that commonality that I have truly enjoyed finding between all of the women that I've talked to. And I don't know, we were talking before we got started recording about how um, the ability to empathize with each other kind of creates this camaraderie that, I don't know, sometimes it can be great and sometimes it can be a little stressful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Yeah. I think hunting with, I've hunted with men and women now. In the past year, I was solo before that, but I've hunted with men and women now, and it is, it's a mixed bag with either one, depending on who the people are, I think. Yeah, I agree. I'm in the same boat. I, um, I just recently got to do a couple hunts with some female friends and I absolutely loved it. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot of fun, especially when it's women who are like, get just getting into hunting, um, the experience is just amazing to be able to share, to be able to share that with another woman, but then also getting to see someone who's just fresh in their excitement and just getting started. It kind of lights that fire underneath you a little bit more, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I've, we've had that with our kids in the past two years, just seeing them, it, I guess it turned into their own thing versus something that we do as a family. And it has just lit a fire underneath me seeing their passion grow. Um, but watching other women come alongside and hunt alongside of them, it's been a super, um, I don't know if I expected that, that experience to light that fire a little bit more. And it's been a great surprise. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, tell, I want to get into who you are 
how you got started in the outdoors um, and how that's kind of impacted your life along the way. So I live in Washington state and I've lived here for most of my life. This is where I grew up. I did a little bit of moving around once I met my husband because we're military. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have lived in a couple other states, but we are back in Washington now. And so here in Washington, I grew up hunting uh, black-tailed deer and Roosevelt elk. Nice. And I don't have any sisters. So it was just me and my stepbrother who was older and then my um, younger half-brother that I grew up with. And my dad, of course, he was the one that introduced me to the outdoors Mm -hmm. and to the hunting lifestyle. So it was something that I grew up with. I mean, I have pictures, I've dug out old pictures of my dad with animals that he's killed. And I'm like an infant, like in my baby carrier, (laughs) like posing (laughs) with him and the animals. So it's like literally like from the time I was born, like I've been around this. Um, And I am from a really small town where um, lots of people do hunt, but not a lot of women, Mm -hmm. at least back when I was growing up. So I went hunting with my dad starting, you know, at a young age, just taking along. And then I got my, um, hunter safety permit, I think when I was 11. So then I officially started hunting when I was 11. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, at that point was just still kind of doing it as a way to spend time with my dad. I wasn't, I just didn't really have that ambition to kill something. I just kind of was like, this is cool to get to come out in the woods and, and be with my dad. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was probably my late teens until I really got the desire of like, okay, I want to get my first animal. And at that point I was actually starting to hunt by myself a little bit. So there's a ton of public land behind our house where I grew up, um, hundreds of acres. And because I, grew up hiking those, um, woods with my dad. I knew them very well. So I was fortunate enough to feel comfortable going on solo hunts out there. And so I did that. And I actually shot my first black tail on a solo hunt. And I, I think I was like 19. That's awesome. (laughs) So I hunted all those years, but didn't quite get anything until then. Um, and then at that point I stuck with either hunting by myself or going with my brother. That's really when, once I shot my first buck and I knew, okay, this is something I definitely want to do for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother and I started going out cause he's, I think he got his first deer when he was eight and he's like a killer. He's yeah. like one of those people that goes unrecognized. He doesn't have like a big Instagram following, but that kid is the most phenomenal hunter I know. So we spend a lot of time in the woods together now. I think that's huge. I didn't, I kind of, when you said you come from a small town, mostly men hunting, I, I grew up in a small town where every, every guy I knew at least had been once, if not all the time. And so, uh, I think I knew of one woman, but I didn't know it until I was grown that she hunted and she was older. She was like my parents age, but not a whole lot of women went out and hunted and nobody in my family hunted. So being introduced to it, it feels now like I've done it my entire life, even though it's only been, I mean, I'm getting close to 10 years, but it Mm -hmm. feels like it's been much longer than that. I, 
I don't want to remember a day that I didn't do it. But like you, the yeah. first the first animal that I killed was solo. And I think that I think that built that drive in me just a little bit more. Um, because I had to call to get help after I did it. I had to mm-hmm. call and and say, okay, now what? <laughs> I knew what I had <laughs> right. to do, but I had never seen it. Um, field dressing, packing out, like that kind of thing. I'd never seen it. And so I had to call for help. And so from that point on, it was, okay, how can I do this by myself completely? How can I be independent where I don't have to make that phone call? I can make it, but I wouldn't have to. And so I think it just made that drive a little bit. (laughs) It solidified it much more, uh, (laughs) that passion, just doing it by myself. Right. Yeah, Yeah. it's definitely empowering for sure. I remember like one of my most vivid memories back then, solo hunting. So I kind of have to go back and correct what I said, because there was a woman that hunted. Um, her name was Mrs. Bloom and she was our neighbor and she was literally in her like seventies, like late seventies. And I ran into her in the woods and I was by myself and she was by herself. And she had this little like lever action, like 30, 30. And I just, it's just ingrained in my mind, like seeing her up there at that age by herself and just like running into each other. Like it was just like experience. I can't quite put into words, but I just, remember thinking at that time, like, I hope that is me at that age. I hope I'm still physically able and in a position in my life where I can be out here doing this. Cause you could just see how much she loved it. And she, she wasn't too far from home. Like I said, she lived not far down the road, but just the fact that she was still out there doing that by herself, that was like a very powerful moment for me back then. That's amazing. That's, I think that it would be like one of those circumstances where, you know, if we were thinking Disney movie, like a fairy godmother coming in <laughs> and being like, man, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Just being able to visualize someone ahead of you who's strong and independent and uh, and has that ability to keep going. And it is. It's something that I look now at women that I've begun following on social media who are, you know, a decade or two decades older than me doing it. And I'm like, that's, I want to be there. I want to be that person out there who um, has that confidence. It's not, I don't think I'm arrogant. I don't think I'd ever be arrogant because there's always something more to learn. Um, Right. But there's that confidence, and confidence is what, like you said, gets you out there. Um, mm-hmm. Whether it's solo or you're taking somebody with you or you're with a group, that confidence leads to safety. It leads to um, being aware, um, and it leads to successful hunts. Yes, I 100% agree with that. Yeah, And I like that you brought up the social media aspect because – that's one of the things when people ask me, like, what are the good and bads of social media? Mm-hmm. Like definitely one of the main good things is that you can easily find women to look up to. Mm-hmm. Or like when I'm talking about when I grew up, we didn't really have social media and, and there was no women around me. Well, I didn't have any women role models in that right. regard. And it was fun because I had some really great male role models, but it would have been nice to have the women ones. And so I think that's what's good about social media 100%. is that now we do have more people that we can follow and look up to and aspire to be like. 
every woman that I have talked to that I have sat back and done research on and, uh, you know, prepping for a podcast, my daughter sits beside me and we talk about these women and it's never how many followers they have. It's always who are they? How do they hunt? Where are they hunting? Do they have their families with them? Are they solo hunters? Like it's all of this strength that comes behind these women that we're talking about. And it has nothing to do with the amount of followers, the amount of likes, the amount of it. it, Nothing like that comes up. It's just, you know, I think one of the first women that I introduced her to was um, Annie Gastelum. Do you know Annie? She's... Mm So sweet. It sounds familiar. Where's she from? She's from um she from Arizona. Uh she's camo girl. Okay. Super, super sweet. Doesn't have a huge following, private page, everything like that. But her ability to encourage others and her story is so empowering that when I told my daughter about her, she goes, One day I'm gonna meet her. One day I want to meet her mama. And and I think that that's – she's not on social media. I keep my kids as far away from social media right now as I can. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that slowly introducing her to these women, not because of how many followers, but because of who they are, is showing that relationship and how good social media can be um, if you utilize it correctly. Yeah, I think that's awesome that you're teaching them that because so many people get caught up in the number of yeah. followers people have. And you and I, we, we both know that there are women out there with ungodly amounts of followers that maybe aren't actually maybe the correct people that you'd want your daughters to look up to for whatever, several different reasons. Mm-hmm. And then there's people like that one that you just mentioned who maybe have hardly any social media following or like my, like I said, my brother, he's just not big on working social media, but he's a phenomenal hunter and would be a role model to a lot of people. So I think that's awesome that you're teaching them that right out of the gate. Yeah. They don't get caught up in numbers. It's, it's more about engagement, right? It's more about having those conversations and hearing their stories. And I mean, I wasn't on social media for hunting until two years ago And it changed my life because before that, Mm -hmm. like you said, it was just men who I knew hunted around me. And I'm from Tennessee. You would think that there would be so many people who hunt, but not directly around me. So social media not only introduced me to women like you and and other ladies who are out there kicking ass um, in our hunting community for real – But it also introduced me to people in my own state that I didn't even know existed until then. And I think that as much as we can bring up the negative side of everything, I think that we have to bring up that positive side. Because without it, then why are we even on it? Right. Yeah. So I think everything – my husband and I were talking the other night about, you know, the difference between – um, fossil fuels and windmills and all of that, every single thing has a negative side to it, has a negative product that comes because of it. Uh, social media is nonetheless the same. And so mm-hmm. it's how we utilize it. It's how we filter it. And thank God for that block button. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> Thank God. No <laughs> oh my gosh. So um, you have had a couple of great hunts uh, in the past few years, especially. And um, I've been following you through a couple of them. And I think that one of the first posts that I saw about you, you had gotten an elk. And what was it? You had said something about how your father always said, if you kill it, you finish it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that stood out to me because a lot of people, men and women, will go into a hunt and it's they kill it and then somebody else takes care of it. And I think that the fruition of that lesson that your dad taught you that you then brought out to everybody else, it really impacted my life. Um, and so tell, what was that hunt? Where do you remember both questions? Um, I don't know if it would have been It was my, local, I feel like. Because I have, I've gotten three bulls mm-hmm. and like in a row and it, I don't know if it was my first one because my dad wasn't I think it was my second one that I got because my dad came and helped me yeah I think with that it. was so it I'd gone out hunting I shot a bull with my um, bow and then I let it sit because I came back home to get my kids ready to take them for their first day of school. <laughs> <laughs> this will be a good lead into balancing. Have that conversation yeah, right. Because <laughs> my husband was deployed. Mm-hmm. So my life story, he's not here. Shoot this bull. Of course, you know, you. I knew it was a good shot, but I, want, I didn't want to go after it right away. So I'm like, I'm going to let him lay, give him time. I'm going to get my kids to school. So I called my dad and I was like, dad, dropping the kids off for their first day of school. Then I'm going to go back and I'm going to go, you know, track blood and find my elk. Will you meet me at the house? And so he did. Um, and we went out together and found my bull and it had only gone like 30 or 40 yards. So it was nice. That, that was nice. <laughs> but he was, I think we, and my friend, um, was nearby and she's a professional photographer. And she had always said she wanted to get like, pictures of me hunting or with a kill. So I was like, well, if you want to come out and meet me and get some pictures and she did, and she got some really cool pictures of my dad and I, and I had gutted the elk and done most of the work. And it was probably a post I'm thinking of with my dad in the picture where I had said that he had taught me that I need to, to do the work. And that is true. Like, and thankfully because I came from a hunting household, I got to watch that be done on mm-hmm. not just the animals my dad got, but because we were in a small town and had a bunch of family and friends around us, my dad had a, we had a really nice, um, like area at our house where we could, uh, put the animals up and get them skinned out. And we had like a big walk-in fridge. So like the whole town would bring their animals over to our house <laughs> to like do all the work. Yeah. So I got to watch how to skin out and field dress animals like hundreds of times going up over the years. So by the time I was ready to do it myself, it wasn't, it wasn't too hard for me. I mean, I still had my dad or maybe my brother there walking me through a couple things. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially if I'm with my brother, he will not help me with any of it. Like, with, 
any of it. He's like, cause I had to do a bear last year. I shot my first bear and I had never done a bear. And I was like, do you want to help me? And he's like, no, he's like, it's the same as a deer and elk. You know how to do it. He's like, I'll, you know, like I'll hold the legs or something for you, but you're doing all of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's important. And it's something that we are teaching my daughter now too, because mm-hmm. she is getting into hunting. And so, um, she has no problem killing the animals. She's like, I don't want to get my hands bloody. And I'm like, well, that's part of the process. Right. And it's full circle. And then sometimes she'll complain that she doesn't like the taste of game meat. And that's another thing. We also say, if you're going to kill it, you're going to eat it. Right. Obviously, we're not just doing it for fun and for sport. We're doing it because we're eating these animals. And so that was the first thing we told her was, if you're not going to eat the meat, you are not hunting. Mm-hmm. Like there's no if, ends or buts about it. Yeah. Um, so she's came around and, and she does, she just has to have dipping sauce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that that is important. And I do see women that are n- even, I have women in my family that like they'll go out and hunt and shoot the animal. And then that's the end of it. And they don't have any involvement. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the process. And it's kind of sad for me to see because I feel like that's that process is also what creates that connection with the animal and the connection with the food and just knowing that you were involved from start to finish. Yeah. And from killing the animal, field dressing it, skinning it out. Um, even if like we butcher our own meat most of the time. So when I'm butchering it at home, vacuum sealing it, putting it in the freezer to the time I pull it out and cook it and serve it to my family. Like yeah, to be in, involved in the whole process, I think is something that's really important and rewarding. Yes. And I think that if um, even the women that think it's gross or have their reasonings for not wanting to, I think if they tried it, <laughs> it wouldn't be as bad as they think it is. I agree. I agree. That was my daughter had her first hunts this year where she uh, killed, she killed two deer this year. And we, the first, her first kill ever, neither me or her dad were with her. Um, she's 12. She went with a friend of mine who had never mentored anybody before and she wanted to mentor. And I said, sure, sure, sure. It was, it was probably one of the coldest days that we had had so far this year, 17 degrees. And my kid shoots her first deer. I get this message, deer down. And I'm going, <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. A mixture of emotions. Yay. But dadgummit, I wasn't there. Um, oh. But she, I think that that, she had seen so many deer harvested, so many deer gutted. So like she had seen all of that to where, when she did it by herself with someone not in our family, she got her hands up in there. I mean, she got mm-hmm. elbow deep and was field dressing. <laughs> and it gave me that sense of pride that even though we weren't there, we had been with her through all of the hunts before preparing her for that moment. So physically we right. weren't there, but I'm pretty sure that the whole time we were in her head going, and this is what <laughs> comes next, and this is what comes next, and this is where that knife needs to go. And so yeah. I I still feel like we were a part of that process, and um, and we have – we process and butcher and all of that ourselves too. So her being a part of that and – being in charge of putting her name on those vacuum seal packages. And <laughs> it's it does, it takes it from 
even going to the shooting range and practicing all the way to eating what she brought to our house, to our table, it ha- there's a sense of pride with that, that you can't replace any other way. Um, right. So I, I agree big time with that. That's at least once you should have to do that. And I think that you wouldn't want to do it any other way if you have the choice after that. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember my first time hunting with an outfitter, which is actually when we went to Africa. And after I shot the animal, like I went to start to want to do the work on it and, oh, no, 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 we do that for you. (laughs) Like, what do you mean you do that for me? Well, (laughs) our clients aren't expected to take care of the animals. And then me, this being like my very first time, you know, hunting with an outfitter, that was like mind blowing. People are probably laughing here and say that because I think that's standard. Like the outfitters are always taking care of the animals, but clients have it. But it was the weirdest Uh thing for me. Like I did not like it. And I kept like insisting, like, it's okay. I can do it. And (laughs) no, 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 you're not doing it. And I had a hard time with it. Mm -hmm. It was a very weird feeling. Yep. We, the Kansas deer that she got was with an outfitter and and it was, no, we'll drag it. We'll, and I was going, wait, wait, wait. No, we, I want her to be a part of that. <laughs> and yeah. Sarah, I'll tell you, we had an experience on that hunt. Uh, her doe was pregnant. Oh, gosh. And, you know, I haven't really talked much about it on social media because it has been, you know, it's kind of a very delicate situation, but it was a part of doe management. And, yeah. uh, with an outfitter, they don't hunt does until the very end because they don't want to mm-hmm. put pressure on the bucks. And so uh, there's a huge possibility, and we were prepared for that. Um, and so I think that that preparation set her up for the scientific side of it to see the process and what happens. But I had never seen a pregnant deer either field dressing. And so yeah. I think I was grateful for that experience to be alongside of a wildlife biologist and the, the, the people who have worked there and seen it before because they were able to walk us through it and explain everything and we can see the science of it and the reason that we're there is to manage that population. And um, But it, it threw me for a loop that they wanted to handle all that. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I want my hands. I want my hands on that deer. I want to be able to see this process, and and so we got in there and helped out, and it was in the name of teaching a kid how to do it as well. Um, but yeah, I'm. I don't blame you on that. I like to have my hands dirty through the whole process, and mm-hmm. there's that sense of pride again with it that that you respected the animal from beginning to end. Um, right. Yeah. I agree with that. Well, I do want to, because we did, we met at ATA, um, physically met and you were a little off that day and it wasn't in a negative or rude way toward me, but I picked up on it and I don't think we talked about it for a while, but it kind of came to fruition a couple of months later and you and I were talking about it. And I would love for you to kind of fill us all in and tell us kind of the history of this Scotland trip um, with your stag and uh, 
And if that's okay, I, I'd like to give you the table on this one. Okay. Yes, absolutely. I don't think I've got a chance to really tell the story. Um, mm-hmm. So I had a TV show approach me back in 2019 and ask if I wanted to be on their cast because they were looking for a solo female hunter. So I did, and I bought all the camera equipment. I was very excited about it. They had quite a few pretty well-known other cast members on the show. And in September, the producer said, hey, I'm going to Scotland and doing a red steak hunt and two other cast members are coming with. We want to know if you want to join us. And I said, oh yeah, that would be awesome. (laughs) No hesitation. Yeah, I'd gone to Africa at that point and I knew that I loved international traveling and hunting and I was like, Scotland, oh my gosh, yes. Mm -hmm. So I had never met the three of them in person. It was going to be our first time meeting in person when I got to Scotland. And he had told me, I want to, you know, film this hunt and put it in the Badlands Film Festival for a feature film. And I was like, okay, awesome. And then when they were also going to film content for an episode, so one of the seasons for the show. Mm -hmm. So the deal was we were all going to bring our camera equipment. We were all going to film each other hunting. He was going to take all the footage, put together the piece for the film festival, and then for the episode. So he was going to hunt the first three or four days of the trip. And then I was going to hunt the last two days of the trip. So when we got there, he kind of had a really bad situation with the weather. It was super foggy. Mm -hmm. And so his first few days of hunting weren't that great. And then he did get a couple shots at like two or three stags that he missed. And so by the time it came up for me to hunt, he had not gotten anything. On the first morning of my hunt, the weather had cleared up, the fog went away. We got out there and the first like two hours we got on a herd there was two decent red stags with a bunch of hinds and I got a shot on one, a perfect shot, dropped him. They got it on film. We're super excited. We got, so my husband was deployed at the time and we got some really cool drone footage of me walking up to it. And then I actually FaceTimed my husband before oh. I got all the way up to it so that he got to see it at the same time I did because I really wanted to share that experience with him. Yeah. So yeah. they have some amazing footage of me FaceTiming my husband, him congratulating me, all this really cool epic footage that we got. Well, because I had gotten mine so quickly and there was still like a day and a half left, I gave that back to the producer and I was like, hey, why don't you take the rest of my time? I could have shot a second one, but I didn't want to. I was like, you know, this was your main trip you wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Why don't you keep hunting? So I gave him the rest of my time. He didn't end up getting anything. So then I was like, well, you know, are are you still going to do a film for the film festival? And he's like, yeah, I think I will. We'll figure something out. You know, we'll all be in the film and I'll figure out a way. We'll put your stake in there or whatever. I'm like, okay, cool. So then we get back from Scotland. He had all of us upload all of our footage onto a drive so that he could access it. And then probably like October, I was like, hey, do you think you could give me access to the drive too for some of the footage that you got, like where I was talking to my husband, like there's some clips I would really like to share, some stuff that's really meaningful to me Mm -hmm. that I just want to have, like for, you know, for my personal stuff. Right. And he kept telling me, no, 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 you can't see any of the footage. You can't have access to any of the footage. 
I just thought that was very weird. Very, he was acting very weird. And I just didn't get it. I asked him multiple times and he kept telling me in January, you can have access to the footage. I'm like, I don't know why January matters, but okay. So I kind of stopped asking. Then December rolls around and I get an email from him saying that he, they don't want to have me on the show anymore. And the reason why is because he said I wasn't serious enough about filming, (laughs) but I had filmed my entire Africa hunt, Uh flawless, like kill, I got all my kill shots, all, all the good stuff that they wanted and told me I needed to get in Africa. I did. And then I was also filming my blacktail hunt and I was taking my brother with me every day for my cameraman. And we already had some phenomenal footage of this huge blacktail that we were after. So I was like, this does not make sense to me, but I didn't argue. I was like, okay. So we parted ways. Well, then I decided I'm going to do a short film for the Badlands Film Festival. And I want it to show my elk that I got in September and then show my husband overseas. And it was kind of like this back and forth showing like what my husband was doing on his deployment and then what I was doing back home hunting. Mm-hmm. So we submitted it. It got selected. So my brother and I flew down, you know, to where was it? Indiana. Yep. To the ATA and to the Badlands Film Festival so that I could see my film on the big screen. Well, I also found out when I was there that the TV show had submitted a Scotland film and that it was selected for the feature film category. So I was like, well, this is interesting. Like, what is the Scotland film going to be? Because he never got anything there. And then he kicked me off the show. So I couldn't imagine like he's going to have me in this film. So I was like really curious. Mm -hmm. And I had stayed in contact with some of the other um, cast members. And they said, yeah, none of us have seen the film that he submitted. Like he's being very secretive about it. He's being very weird about it. We don't know what's up, but we haven't even seen it. Well, that's strange. And let me, I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt you really quick. Some of the film that was, you said you guys had all filmed with your own equipment as well. So some of the stuff that he had, was it from your camera as well? Yes. Okay. Yes. He had everyone's, all all four of us had footage that we submitted. Yeah. So then the night of the film festival, I'm sitting there watching and here comes I forget what it's even called, what the name of their film is. Um, it's on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> you can go watch yeah. it. Um, and I kind of don't is... want to give it. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I kind People of, I kind of am glad that you together. don't know the name of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say it. So. <laughs> um, so they, So he basically cut me completely out of the film as if I wasn't even in Scotland. Showed himself and the other two cast members that were there and edited the film to make it look like he had shot a stag in Scotland. And the footage that he used was of my dead stag that I had shot. Hmm. (laughs) So Hmm. he fabricated a story that Mm -hmm. he went to Scotland and was successful. And he didn't. He used my stag that I got and cut me out of the film as if I wasn't even there. Wow. So you can imagine while I'm sitting there watching (laughs) this, like my jaw is hitting the floor and, I, yeah. and and the other cast members too, because the other cast members hadn't seen it. And they were like, why would you do that? Like, mm-hmm. what is wrong with you? Like people were appalled to make matters worse. 
he is on his Instagram live. So he's at the film festival. Seriously, I can see him. He's sitting like a few chairs down from me and he's filming it. And like his, you know, show up on the screen and you can hear him saying, I bet Sarah is over there right now saying, what the F? I bet she's so mad right now. Like he was, you wow. can hear him saying this. Wow. Like he was like taking enjoyment. Like he was like vindictive about it. <laughs> so anyways, I pulled myself together. I was very angry. I'm the type of person where if I am angry or upset at someone, like I approach them about it and mm-hmm. I want to tell them about it, but I just kind of bottled all of it up inside. I didn't say anything to anyone about it. I went, I got home from the show and I was like, you know, this is something I'm just going to tuck away. It is what it is. And I'm going to move on. Well, then like a month or two later, my Euro mount showed up to my house because I got my SIG Euro mounted. Yeah. And when I unboxed it, I was like unboxing all those emotions mm. of everything. And I thought, you know what? I want people to know that he did this mostly because he is trying to be a famous like producer. Like right. he is working very hard to put stuff on Amazon. His stuff is on Amazon Prime right now. And so when there's someone out there that's trying to make it a career yes. and be the biggest and best in the industry, but yet is doing stuff like that, yes. I feel like they need to be called out. If it yes. was just like a one-time thing that he did, I probably wouldn't have said anything, but I'm like, no, people need to know about him because he's continuing to try to like become big in this industry. So I did a video on Instagram talking about just a little bit what had happened and all these people started, it like went viral and all these people started messaging me. You being one of them. I was one of them. Um, I was like a little pit bull, like unleash me. (laughs) There were people that were angry. Like I was angry, yeah, but I did not even expect how many other people were so angry Uh about it. And and as if I'm a photographer and seeing somebody plagiarize somebody else's moment of joy and of, you know, of this to rob somebody of that and claim it as their own, it infuriated me, infuriated me. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of like all made sense. Like when I was like, well, why wouldn't he let me have access mm-hmm. to the coach till January? And why is he doing this? And why is he kicking me off the show? Like it all, everything that I was confused by just fell right into place yep. when I saw the film. And, and so, so like I said, Badlands reached out to me and asked my side of the story. And I told them mm-hmm. they were not happy about it <laughs> at all. No. I can imagine because there were films that they, they had chosen that film because it was a first time entry that, that, you know, that he had submitted a film. They obviously didn't know the backstory mm-hmm. and there were other films that they would have rather highlighted if they would have known that this was, like you said, completely plagiarized from stole my hunt and tried to make it his own. So that was my experience with, um, with all of that. And I've moved on from it. Um, (laughs) but yeah, it's a good story. It's a good, it's, you know, we talk about lessons that we learn along the way. It's not one that you expect to have to learn. Um, but it's one you definitely walk away from a different person in positive and negative Mm -hmm. ways. But I think that one thing 
that I hold in respect to you, Ev, is that until you had evidence in your hand, until you had something to show, until you had, you kind of kept it to yourself. And and I think that the way that you handled it by going to Badlands by, well, they approached you. So it, they did, yeah. it, um, I think that the way you handled yourself, and I told you this when it came out like that, I said, I think the way that you handled yourself shows who the better person is. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that emotions weren't in there. I'm not saying that there wasn't anger, but I think that publicly the way that you handled yourself shows you, shows us who the bigger and better person is. And so, um, I commend Badlands on how they handled it. Um, because they removed it from, um, from their films, right? Well, I think at that point they had already released the YouTube, the full-length YouTube version. So I don't think that they're able to remove it from that. But I do know that they do they cut the relationship because that producer and TV show they were sponsoring. Um, like we were all wearing the Badlands camo. And so after they found out that that happened and there was a couple other things that he had done that they weren't very impressed with, they Mm -hmm. kind of said, okay, we're, you know, we're getting rid of this relationship. We're cutting this out. So, and then it was kind of a deal where I had to, to go to Badlands and say, well, Hey, I still love your clothing, love supporting you guys as a company. I still want to work with you in a certain fashion. If you're interested, despite what happened (laughs) over here. Um, so there were some conversations that we needed to have, but yes, I agree. I'm a hundred percent happy, um, with how they handled it. Yeah. I, I think that it just goes to show that no matter who you are as a hunter, you can't control what other people do. And it really does matter how you handle yourself because that's all we have, Right. Mm-hmm. And, and the way that we respect ourselves and the way that we hold ourselves to a standard that we are okay with is all that matters. Um, being in the limelight, being somebody that people look up to, being in the public eye, those are all things that factor in. But at the end of the day, we have to live with ourselves. And we have to go to bed each night thinking, okay, how did I handle that? And did I handle that in a way that I can be proud. Um, yeah. And we can't control what other people do. We can't control how they go to bed at night. We can't control how they walk away from it. But at the end of the day, how we live our day is what is important. And so I remember that film sort of from watching it because I was there that night too. I remember your film with your husband 10 times over. Mm -hmm. And that might be because I had come from a military family. My brother is deployed right now. Um, That, I took that personally. I took that film and soaked it up and it meant a lot to me seeing it there. Um, So, if that gives you any, oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. It completely I did get stood a lot out of to me. Feedback from it, so I I felt good. Like I said, there was it was like 
film festival was bittersweet because I had that happen. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, like so much good came because I got to see my short film yes. and I got a lot of great feedback on it. So yes. I would never want to say that it wasn't worth it because it, it all was worth it. Yes. <laughs> and, so. so make sure you guys go and see that film, that short film, because it really did impact me at the time. I think that at that moment, my I think my brother was in Afghanistan during that moment watching that and I think it really I bawled my eyes out so um it was something that I held dear there were a couple of other ones that were awesome there as well I think that there were commendable people who delivered such powerful stories and to see two films there that year that highlighted women um one was you and one was a young girl who I believe she was bear hunting. Um, yeah. And it I just, I was so excited just to see women up there doing it. And so anyways, I wanted to end that on the highlight of what you did there because I don't know that film. It just, it meant a lot to me. And so thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. We, and, um, we had fun. Good. My husband and I, well, we didn't really get to do it together. He was filming separately over yeah. where he was and I was filming here, but we, it was nice for us to be able to collaborate mm-hmm. on something, even though we were apart, it mm-hmm. was, it was just good in that regard. Yes. Well, kudos on that one. And it does kind of lead into that balance because being a military wife, being a single mom part of the time and hunting you know, one of the things that I get constantly from women is how do you do this? How do you balance it? And I don't, there's not a perfect way of doing it, right? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. Uh-uh. It's an and ongoing struggle. <laughs> it really is. And it's an ongoing question. Am I doing this right? Am I doing it okay? Am I screwing my kids up? Am I, right. or am I doing the best job anybody can do. And that's what it usually comes out to you. I'm doing the best job that we can do for our family. And, um, and I think that for the women who ask that the answer isn't plain and simple because each of us are juggling our own balance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard question. It's very convoluted Mm -hmm. (laughs) answer and it depends on who you're talking to. And, um, for me personally, like if you want me to talk about how I yeah. got to try to find my balance, um, I think it starts with like good communication with your partner. Because mm-hmm. for me, my husband wasn't a hunter when we met and he didn't actually really have any hobbies. He didn't have time right. to have any hobbies because his military career, you know, took so much of that time. I mean, he's gone six to eight months a year. Mm-hmm. So he never had the luxury of finding that other thing in life outside of a career that he loved besides family, obviously. Um, and he also didn't have any friends nearby. So all his friends that he grew up with were all on the other side of the state. So for us to get married and for me to bring hunting to the table and say, this is extremely important to me. This is a huge part of my life. And it's something I'm going to want to do. That's going to going to take time away from you probably and going to take time away from our kids, but it's something I need. Like that was really hard at first because that wasn't something that he 
quite understood because he didn't have some something equivalent in his life mm-hmm. like that. So at first it was just kind of like, almost like a negative thing. Like, oh, she, she's leaving and she wants to go hunting. And it's going to take time away from us. So it took a lot of years to, and it, and I got lucky because then he started hunting and mm-hmm. then he fell in love with it. So it made it easier. <laughs> yes. But it was definitely like having that really good, clear communication upfront that like, this is important to me. And he understands that when he's gone that much, I have so much on my plate as far as running my own business, taking care of the kids on my own. And that when he gets home, like I need that release. Like I need that me time. And he knows that that's hunting. So he's, I'm very grateful because he's extremely understanding and he also knows I'm a very independent person. So mm-hmm. while I love spending time with him and with my kids, it, I also, in order to thrive, need time with myself and independence. So like a lot of the trips that I do, like even going to Scotland, like that was by myself. Right. You know, I'm going on these things completely on my own. Um, but yeah, it's it's a balancing act in that regard. And then also at the same time, finding ways to get your kids to be accepting of it, to understand like, this is what mom needs. Mm -hmm. Um, I've just always been a huge proponent of, I don't think it's healthy, like for families, husbands, wives, or with your kids to be all together a hundred percent of the time. Like I know people that will not leave their kids under any circumstances for any amount of time, like not even a day. And I just feel like that's so unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and at least with our family dynamic, it is like we, everyone needs breaks from people, no matter who it is in your life. Yes. Like you need that break. And so, um, my, my kids understand that and they're both very independent too. And now I'm getting lucky because they're starting to hunt. They're getting to the age where now we can do family hunts. So that's awesome. Cause now I'm still getting to do what I love, but now I'm getting to do it with my family. And then I'm still getting my small trips in between where I'm going out by myself. Yes. I think that that's, so that's how I got started in hunting was uh, after my kids were born, you know, that dependent, 100% dependent time (laughs) of when you have kids. Uh, My husband was out hunting and I'd see him go off in the morning while I'm at home being depended on and I craved that solo time. I craved, I grew up outside. I grew up in the outdoors fishing and camping and that kind of thing. And so I craved being outside. And so that filled kind of that empty void where I was trying to figure out who am I as a mom because I'm not the same person I was before. There you change ever so slightly, sometimes a lot, but you change almost on a molecular level of of how you see even yourself when you become a mom. And so I think I had begun that, that change, that desire to figure out, okay, who am I and who am, who am I going to be as a mom? Am I going to be that hovering, you know, all-inclusive need to be, like you said, on my kids all the time? Or am I going to grow independent children? Am I going to teach them 
that they can be individuals in this world and that they don't have to be a one molecular person of a family. Can they venture out and mm-hmm. do things on their own? They Can they um, step out of their comfort zone and learn how to be their own person by watching me do it? And so I, I feel like, and this is, I can't say this for every person out there, but I think that moms, especially women, when they become moms, they can almost lose themselves in their mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. And I'm so independent that that felt suffocating, if that makes any yeah. sense. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I needed that out. And so the first two years that I was hunting, I didn't even see a deer, Sarah. Didn't even see a deer. But I was so engrossed in being outside and being independent and being solo and and going against what was comfortable to me at the time that it filled my soul. And Mm -hmm. it made me a better parent. It made me more um, purposeful in my time that I had with them because I wasn't constantly trying to figure out myself at the time. And I was able to pour more into them when I was with them. And I was able to recover almost when I was. Yeah, you get that recharge. Yes. (laughs) And so I, when I hear from women a lot, it's, I feel selfish doing that. I feel like my place is the home. I feel like my place is with my children and, and supporting my husband and dude, you can do it both. You just have to learn Mm -hmm. how to balance it. And like we said, it's different for every single person. And it might mean, you know, three hunts for you in a season, but start somewhere, start there and, um, and be able to, to do that on your own is, I don't know. It just, it created a stronger person that I could come back to my family as. Yeah, that's an awesome way to put it because that's that's what I see in it too. And even my my kids are happier. Like it's even yeah. healthy for them to have those breaks because then they appreciate the time they have with you more too. Mm-hmm. We keep saying I mean, we're raising our children to leave. <laughs> we're raising them to be good, independent patrons of this world. And yeah. uh, and if I don't show them that I can do that, then what kind of example am I setting? And I don't see it as selfish. I see it as um, knowing what my self-worth is and respecting Mm -hmm. myself enough to know that they don't need me 100% of the time. And that's okay. They shouldn't. They should be able to depend on my husband or have a support system around you if you're a single mom that you can – they can learn how to respect other adults that are around Mm -hmm. you that you trust. So I don't know. I think I I feel horrible when – when I have somebody come to me and say, I really feel selfish for taking that time out. I said, you don't need to feel selfish. It's still the balance. It's still the learning how much is too much time to take away and how much is too much time with them. You just have to learn what's best for you. Yeah, a hundred percent. I know I always, the things that get me is I get the question, who watches your kids when you're gone? (laughs) Which 
I realize sometimes they're probably meaning if my husband's deployed, so right. I was talking about how he's gone so much. So they're probably cute. But when he's home, like even my own close girlfriends, like mm-hmm. they'll know I'm out doing something. Well, who's watching the kids? Yeah, their dad. What do you mean? <laughs> I have a husband. He's a their father. Dad. It's, it's the dad. Like, but when they put it like that, it's just, it's coming from, I guess, them thinking like, the mother's the traditional, uh-huh. like the traditional role of the mother yeah. to be the sole caretaker of the kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. in our family, it is not like that. Like it is very equal. And I think when it comes to being different for everyone, a huge difference is that you have the stay at home moms, right? Where that is like what would be considered their job. And then the, the dad is actually the one who's going out and working and in mm-hmm. our household. Like I have a full-time business mm-hmm. that I run. And my husband has his career. So we both have careers. So it's easy, easier for me to have the argument, I guess, of like, well, we're both working. We're both providing income for the family. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we're both equally parents yeah. to the kids as well. But that should technically be for everyone, even if there is a stay-at-home mom. But I don't think society doesn't look at it that way. No. No, they don't see the work that goes into stay-at-home moms. They don't see the time and commitment to that um, and the need to get away and, and, I don't know, stoke your own passions. Because, again, we have our kids for a certain amount of time. They're not with us our whole lives. We have them for a short amount of time where we're influencing their lives. We're bringing them up in the best way that we can do possible. And then they leave. Well, what happens when they leave and your whole life is stuck? Revolved around them. Yeah. Yes. And you see a lot of women lose themselves when their kids leave. And you see a lot of marriages fall apart when kids leave. And I think that... uh, you know, finding your passions along the way, no matter how you change or what, how your passions change, being able to keep yourself grounded and balanced is so important to relational health, to mental health, uh, emotional health, all of that. And, um, and so you can't, you, you honestly can break down that selfish argument with all of this, because you see the healthy side of it, as long as you are balancing it out and as long as there's not negatives that are coming from it, um, right. it's just learning how to balance that. And it might take a little bit of transition time into it, but it all works itself out. Yeah. And what's funny too, is now that we're talking about, we're talking about mostly women finding that balance. I know a lot of men and I've had conversations with men Mm -hmm. who have said they feel guilty about leaving and Uh going hunting and that they're missing out on certain milestones, you know, with their kids at a young age and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's both sides. Yeah. Both sides, a hundred percent. I don't want people to think like it's just women doing it because I realize there's men out there too that are having to find that balance. Yeah. And I think we have, my husband and I have talked about it on multiple occasions since we both hunt and our kids didn't start hunting until two years ago with us. It was a draw straws situation. Who gets to go? (laughs) 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 And it was, it was one of those, ah, dead gummit. Um, not that we didn't want to be with kids, but you know, it was, well, who gets to go? Who is, gets to stay and who's balancing that out? Um, and it is 
okay, do we need to pull back a little bit? Did we hunt too much this year? Are the kids feeling um, like we are missing out as a family unit? And so now that they're both hunting, we're having all of these adventures together. Together. Yeah, that's awesome. And when you have both parents, a lot of times they say, if you can get the mom involved, you can get the whole family involved. Yes, that's true. But the bigger picture is if you get the whole, both parents involved, then you get the Mm -hmm. whole family involved. And so um, it's not like we're pressuring our kids to do it. They have now figured out that this is something that they love to do as well. And that's such a joy to us. Yeah. And it's a relief too. Yes. Now we can all do it together. No more guilt ever. Yes. Oh, you need a new shotgun? Sure. (laughs) I'm not going to be the one to say no, because I agree. (laughs) I know that's the only downfall is once everyone gets involved, it does get a little bit more expensive, but it's totally worth it. It's totally worth it. It's, I, I think I just handed down my daughter just past me in height and it's a little soul crushing (laughs) she's gonna be taller than me but she she just took over my camo and so I have been wearing my husband's hand-me-downs now (laughs) oh that's funny but but no I I appreciate and I respect the fact that and I think more families need to hear this what my balance is might not be yours. And so all we can do is hopefully support each other and figuring out what that is for each other. Um, Yeah. And if I need to watch your kids so you can go hunt, I'd gladly do that. Um, You know, if you're in my community, if you're a friend that wants to go, I would do it for somebody who loves to go uh, shoot their bow or – is on a bowling rec team. Like I, I want to support yeah. other people's passions um, by helping them with their balance as well. So I don't know. It's all about figuring out what works for you. Yeah, definitely. Well, what have you got coming up? Um, I'm supposed to go to Texas again. So that was another thing I kind of started doing was putting together group hunts. Yes. And so I get groups of people that want to go do different types of hunts, even internationally. I put like a group together for Africa and mm-hmm. for um, New Zealand, which New Zealand uh, just got moved to next year. I'm like, dick no. of it. I was wondering. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. I got moved to next year. So now I just try to do the group hunts that are still feasible, like within the U S so right. there's a ranch that I work with in Texas. And when I have enough people that want to go to Texas and try that style of hunting, I'll take them there. Mm-hmm. So I have that in March, but I don't know, man. So we are supposed to be, I'm supposed to be taking them for access. And a lot of the exotics like took a that. huge hit with this storm. And I haven't, I think last I talked to the manager, he had at least 20 exotics that died and he says there was uh. going to be a bunch more, but they hadn't gone out to the, all the property to see, but I'm just like, feeling so bad for everyone in Texas right now. Well, because that's not, that's a, I would say a three to four year recovery, right? To build back up um, where they were. It's not just, oh, they'll bounce back in a year. Heck no, they're not going to do that. It's going to take some time, three or four years at at the very minimum. But yeah, I was watching that as well and feeling so bad. Um for all of those 
ranchers and and guides mm-hmm. and outfitters just because that's that's their livelihood. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, pretty sad to see and I'll have to touch base with him and kind of mm-hmm. see what what's going on at, at the ranch specifically. So I'll we'll plan see. on going there. Mm-hmm. And then um I signed my daughter up for a really cool kids camp, which is also in Texas. It's in a different area of Texas. It's I think it's called outdoor Texas outdoor camps, but it's like a a week long and it's where they teach them everything, like how to shoot rifles and shotguns and bows and survival skills and field dressing like the whole gamut um and so I'm going to take her to that usually the parents don't go but I'm going to go because I'm going to do some filming for them and try to do some promo pieces good so I'm very excited for that for her um and we're going to try to do as many of the 3d archery shoots as possible like Mm -hmm. the mountain challenges and if as long as they're still going on I know some of them are up in the air Um, but like the total archery challenge and events like those. And then for hunting after the Texas in March, I I might try to do a cat hunt with my recurve, which I'm excited about. Yes. So that's been on my bucket list for a while. And I have one outfitter I'm talking to in New Mexico and then one in Utah. So between the two, I'm hoping to make that happen by like April. Yep. And then I'm going to go to Idaho and do some turkey hunting in April as well. And despite my bad experience with the last TV show, very <laughs> hesitantly, I joined another one recently, but I, I vetted this one more carefully mm-hmm. and spent more time getting to know the producer and the because people Because we it. learned our lessons. <laughs> we learned the first time. Um, I feel really good about this one. Um, it's called Western Obsessions TV. And so... Um, Kurt, the producer and his wife are actually going to, um, go with me to Idaho for that turkey hunt. Awesome. So I am going to try to film as many of my hunts this year as I can so that we can do episodes for the show. So I'm excited about that. Um, and then just the over the counter stuff that I do here in Washington, you yeah. know, once we get into fall doing my elk and deer and bear, and, um, I'm going to go back to Idaho again and do some whitetail and mule deer hunting and, see if I get drawn for anything too. I put in for some different States and different tags. So I'll just depend, but my husband's going to be home this year, like for the first time. Well, he's, he's been home for about a year now and then he's going to be home for probably a whole nother year, which makes my life so much easier, oh, but yeah. we do, we're going to have to do like what you do. You and your husband do. Like, <laughs> <You're geez>. just... <laughs> yes. Who's going on what hunt? If, if it's one where the kids can't go, who's uh-huh. going to be, who's going to go. So yeah, <laughs> we'll see. It, it it's it's that give and take right there, but that'll be exciting for him to be a part of it, uh, um, to be there and and to be able to experience um, hunting for himself too. So that'll be exciting. He's got a great page that I have been cracking up at. <laughs> Mr. Insta Hunter, yeah. Yes. Uh, we, uh, I actually am getting ready to post when we get off this podcast. I have to post a new video that we did last night. He's having a good time with that. Good. Good. I think it's perfect. I've, I think that, you know, I don't, you hear there's so much division within hunters, whether it's bow hunting, gun hunting, Eastern hunting, Western hunting, um, 
outfitter hunting, public land hunting, doing it on your own. And I think that when it comes down to it, the most important thing is that you're getting out there ethically hunting. And and that's it. And (laughs) I think that it keeps it simple. There are, I've used outfitters to duck hunt and goose hunt because I don't have decoys. I don't have access to, um, I don't have the finances to have everything that I would need for those kind of hunts. And if I can support somebody in their business who's going to A, respectfully guide me through a hunt and and get me on um, on animals or birds or whatever it is. But if I can get meat in my freezer and enjoy the hunt and ethically hunt that animal, then it doesn't freaking matter how you do <laughs> it. I agree. There's so much judgment. I've mm-hmm. talked about that multiple times with people. It all comes down with it. They're, everyone is so judgmental. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it it's is. fine if you have opinions on stuff. Like I have lots of opinions on things that, <laughs> you know, I don't always put them out there. They no. don't need to be put out there and you don't need to put people on blast. And you don't need no. to get on their page and say rude things to them. Just have your judgment and keep it to yourself. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Support those who deserve to be supported. That's bottom line. I don't think that we, um, if somebody is doing something wrong, then there's the shady area of does it need to be called out? Does it need to be pointed out? Does it need to be given the attention? And I think that those are all questions that you have to ask when dealing with a situation like that. But uh, point like clear points, support those who deserve the support and, um, and shine the light on them because that's only going to come back on you in a positive way. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see where your year's going. I'm, I, uh, I've been excited to follow you and support you along your way. And, um, I'm grateful that you were able to sit down with me and have a chit chat today. Yeah, I appreciate it. Are you? Do you have any good hunts or any new exciting things you're going to try doing this year? Do you know I've got two goose hunts coming up, one this weekend and one the next weekend. I've got 14 going this weekend and 16 going the next weekend. Oh, my God. Which I don't know if that is something I really enjoy organizing. Um, I just want to go hunt with my friends. <laughs> a lot of work when you're I learned that when I'm doing group hunts I'm like oh it's a lot of work so we've got that coming up um turkey season then is right around the corner I think I'm gonna head back down to Texas um for a turkey hunt maybe we'll see uh and get my first turkey that would be I've hunted turkey now for two years and on public land it has been very pressured especially this mm-hmm. past year with COVID and everybody being home. So yeah, that is a huge goal for me is to daggum get a turkey this year. <laughs> I hope you get one. <laughs> you have to let me know. I will. I will. Uh, and then we fish all summer. Um, the kids, we just like to go out and wade fish in the local creeks and rivers. And so the summer is kind of a fun prep time for deer the next year and – 
but nothing really big on the horizons. I was hoping to get up to Canada. I've got family that live up there and go hunting, but right now it's just, you know, a little bit uh, dicey crossing that border. So, so yeah, I know. I feel so bad for those guys. <laughs> I do too. I do too. Um, uh, yeah. So maybe that will clear up in the next year so that you can get to New Zealand and I can get to Canada and um yeah we'll see we'll yeah, see keep our fingers crossed <laughs> that's a whole other subject in itself but uh, oh yeah Sarah tell everybody how they can follow you so most of my hunting stuff's going to be on um Instagram mm-hmm. which is pnw underscore huntress mm-hmm. and then I do have a website that I try to put um new content up on and that is pnwhuntress.com okay so that will have like all the events I'm going to try to do like the 3d archery tournaments. And then if I have any group hunts, like if people are interested in getting more information on those, I usually try to keep those on there. And, um, I post just like my hunting pictures and stories and stuff like that. Perfect. Perfect. And then you can follow along on this, uh, funny Instagram page. (laughs) Your husband. Um, Mr. Insta hunter. Uh Uh-huh. Um, I truly have enjoyed that. It has been a light, um, a funny, <laughs> light way of finding a giggle every now and then. So thank you guys for putting that together and tell <laughs> yeah. him thank you for his service and yours as uh, a military wife. That's definitely not one to, um, to hold back on. So thank you guys so much. Thank you. I appreciate it, Amy. Yeah.